I'm TL, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week at Mass, we say those words, I believe. But our belief has implications on the way we live our life the rest of the week. We explore those implications together right here on Outside the Walls. Well, you're not really hearing me right now. Uh, uh, I'm, we recorded this interview earlier this week because I'm on retreat. I do this uh, once a year, and, um, or, or I try to once a year. I'm up at Westminster Abbey in uh, in Canada. Um, this is the, my first time to be in Canada ever. And I want you to know that while I'm there, I'm, I'm taking a whole bunch of, of intercessions with me. Uh, I've got people in my network. I've got things going on in extended family that I'm taking into this quiet place away from everything else. And I'm taking those to Christ in prayer. And while I'm doing that, I don't know what your prayer requests are. I don't know what the things are that, that are weighing on your life, but I'm, I'm praying for you and I'm praying for everyone who listens to this show because we all carry heavy burdens uh, and we think that we carry them alone. But this is one of the beauties of the communion of saints that we participate in is that we're really not carrying it alone because we are members, as Paul says, we're members of one another. And so even though you might not know that there's someone else praying for you, well, there is. Uh, this is one of the reasons why um, we pray for the holy souls in purgatory, because we are members of one another, and it could be that there is someone who has no one to pray for them. And so my children often, and, and I often, will pray specifically, Lord God, for the person who's out there that, that no one is praying for that someone, no one knows their name and knows to pray for them, Lord, we lift them up to you now. Uh, whether they be living or deceased, whatever the case is, there's someone out there who needs our prayers, and, and we participate in that. We lift them up. We bear one another's burdens, uh, even if they're not the person right in front of us. And we're going to be talking about this today uh, in depth with our guest, our guest is Dave Orsborn, who's a secular Franciscan. He's also uh, the uh, the assistant director and production manager of St. Gabriel Radio in Columbus, Ohio. We're going to talk a little bit about his practice of uh, how he does his holy hour. Uh, he goes and does uh, adoration, but before he does this on social media, he specifically sends out a call. I'm, I'm going to be there, and I love it because... Uh, he goes on Thursdays and he puts it up way in advance. So first thing in the morning, he says, I'm going to adoration tonight. What can I take with me? What can I take uh, to the Lord in prayer for you? And, and uh, you know, I've, I know a few people who do this similar thing, but it's such a powerful ministry of intercession because it it lets us know that we're not alone. It lets us know that someone is taking our specific, the thing that burdens us and is taking that to prayer. Now, um, the other thing that I've seen that is just really incredibly powerful, and if you have a, a dedicated prayer time, I want to encourage you to consider doing this. Simply asking God in your prayer, God, what is it, who is it out there that you want me to pray for? Who is it that that needs some extra support right now, some extra prayer. And then just sit in a moment in silence because I've experienced this personally. I've seen it in the lives of others and in the prayer lives of others. This 
not necessarily the specific of a person, although sometimes there may be someone close to us uh, or within our orbit that God brings to our mind and we begin to pray for. But but specific uh, situations will come to mind, and maybe it's one that we've we've dealt with and have some understanding in, uh, and can speak to. Whether it be uh, for for us, it's often for people who are going through miscarriage or experiencing the loss of a child, because that's such a profound grief that is uh, that is unique in its uh, the way that it expresses itself. And so, um, very often in my prayer time, I'll pray for someone who's gone through that. But as these things pop into our heads or begin to weigh on our hearts, to simply give some focused time to that thing and to to allow our hearts to really explore all of the things that, that we want for that person, for them to, to be uh, comforted, for them to experience consolation, for them to, uh, to be strengthened and to be given hope and all of the different aspects that we would want God to do if we were in that situation and to specifically ask for God to do that uh, for this other person, for whomever it is. When we intercede, we, in a very specific way, follow the example of Christ. Very seldom did Christ pray for himself, right? Uh, Very often he prayed for others. And in this high priestly prayer in John 17, where he says, "I, I ask this, not only for those who are listening to me, but for those who will believe because of them, right? He prayed for you and I in his earthly life, and he continues to do so, Scripture says, as he intercedes for us at the right hand of God the Father. And so when we intercede for others, we are imitating Christ. Not only this, but when we intercede for others before the Blessed Sacrament, before Christ on the altar, then we join with Christ in his prayer for that person. One of the, the most um, profound penances I was ever given was uh, by Father Jack Gleason at St. Mary's in, uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And he knew the, the, the struggles that we were going through um, just as a family beyond the things that I had confessed. And uh, my penance was in, in charity for this other person who is experiencing similar life circumstances. And he gave me the specific circumstance and he said, pray 10 our fathers. And so as I prayed those, our fathers, it was more than just reciting the words. And it was more than just looking at myself. It was turning my attention to someone else who was going through pain. And each time I prayed that our father, there was a different thing that I wanted for that other person, daily bread or forgiveness of trespasses or whatever the case is, and turning that attention outward and to the other people in the body of Christ strengthens us as well as is beneficial for them. Well, we're going to have a conversation about interceding for others and specifically what that looks like in one person's life, Dave Orsborne, uh, as He takes these intercessions to his holy hour and prays for those, uh, even those whom he doesn't know. So don't go anywhere. There's much more to come right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls with TL. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, TL. 
And we're continuing our conversation uh, here today about adoration, uh, about being in the presence of of God face to face, seeing Christ uh, as He has given Himself to us. Remember when He was when He ascended, He said, "I will not leave you as orphans, but I will send My Spirit among you." And then He also gives us Himself in the Eucharist, and so we have this practice of Eucharistic adoration where the after Mass there are some consecrated hosts, for those who don't know, some of these consecrated hosts that have become the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ are then reserved. They're put into a, a tabernacle there in the church, and we can go and and be in Christ's presence, whether he's in the tabernacle or whether a host is put in a monstrance uh, the, and, and demonstrated uh, in front of us so that we can see him face to face. And so we have the opportunity to go there. And, you know, I hear people say, well, I can pray to God wherever he is and wherever I am and, and, and experience him. And that's true. And yet there is something very profound and, and something that you will internally identify and experience when we're there in his presence. And, and so we go there and, and we lay down at his feet and we take our, all of our worldly concerns and we Go and have a conversation with Christ in adoration. And there, over the years, there have been a few people that I, I just really appreciate um, that I've watched on social media or I've talked to in person, and they always say something along the lines of, hey, I'm going to adoration today. It's my normal time, and and I'm, I'm going to be praying. So do you have something you want me to pray for you about? And I've just always appreciated that. So we're going to explore this idea of adoration and intercession today as we talk with Dave Orsborn. Uh, he is uh, the, the assistant director and production manager of St. Gabriel Radio in Columbus, Ohio. And he does this up on social media. He'll say, hey, I'm, I'm going to adoration. Uh, Dave, thanks for joining us today. TL, it is wonderful to be with you. Thanks for inviting me. Well, thank you for inviting us uh, into your time of prayer and and reflection as you go to meditate on Christ and offer him really our concerns. Uh, I, I know that you and a few others, um, there are times in my life where things are just really pressing. And, uh, you know, I, I don't feel like I'm able to give my, my intentions as much attention as is necessary. And I really appreciate being able to say, hey, this is what's weighing on me right now. Would you go pray for that? Uh, and adoration. So talk to me a little bit about how you first started this practice. What was the uh, kind of the trigger or the switch that said, you know what, I'm going to start seeing if other people need this. Sure. Well, with adoration, um, I'm an adult convert. I was raised Methodist and the, the trigger for me, so to speak, was the Eucharist. Um, When I realized that Jesus is truly present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist, that this is what, as you said in your open, um, he promised that he would never leave us. And it just made sense to me. It just made perfect sense. And I'm like, I have to be a part of this. And so then my journey into the Catholic Church happened and at that point, I didn't know outside of mass that there was such a thing as Eucharistic adoration, but you know, I knew that the Eucharist was available, of course, at mass that I was able to consume and share in the divinity of Christ at mass. But then I can't even remember how I first heard about um, 
adoration or adoration chapels. But I'm like, oh, man, this is fantastic. This is available whenever I pass a Catholic church. I can stop in. And if the Lord's in the tabernacle or if they have the Lord exposed in the monstrance, I can stop and spend one-on-one time with the real presence of Jesus Christ. I mean, this is outstanding. And then I found out that I could add some structure to my prayer time by scheduling a Eucharistic holy hour. So I started scheduling regular times in different chapels. We're blessed here in Columbus to have probably about a half a dozen uh, perpetual adoration chapels within half hour, 45 minutes of each other. So I started doing one up at uh, a parish north of us at 1 a.m. Saturday mornings. And uh, that kind of uh, became difficult. Um, It's rural and it was almost like a a pinball machine avoiding deer at that hour in the morning. (laughs) So my wife and I would uh, trade off on on that whole hour and then switched uh, more recently in the last year to, to a, to an adoration chapel about a half an hour from us. I, I love that you say it became difficult as if it, when it started, it wasn't. <laughs> right. Well, we, they, they were actually setting up their adoration chapel. So they asked uh, men that were involved in different ministries mm-hmm. to take the overnight hours um, for safety. And um, they wanted men to, to, to man up, so to speak, and, yeah. and take on the difficult hours. So we all did that uh, for the, from around the city at this parish. A lot of us weren't even parishioners there, but we were able to step forward and help them round out their schedule so that they were able to offer this, what we call perpetual adoration, where you schedule at least two adorers every hour so that our Lord is never left by himself. So here you're, you're adding this adoration into your schedule and you're going and you're spending an hour. Um, and, now you're also inviting other people into that. Uh, I, you mentioned that you're a Methodist convert. I am as well. And I, mm. I, I recall um, I recall shortly after I became Catholic, there was a story on the news about uh, a, a massacre that had happened in Nigeria uh, of, mm. of Catholics. And as a Methodist, there's this kind of sense of it's a, a, a group that you belong to in, in a membership kind of, I signed my, my name on the dotted line kind of a way. There's, there's not necessarily an affiliation or an affinity with Methodists in other places um, because there's such a wide variety of belief in the Methodist church. Uh, and so you might see the, you know, the little cross in the flame and you might think, oh, oh, well, I wonder what kind of Methodist they are, what kind of beliefs they hold. But it's not like, oh, those are my people. Right. Uh, and I remember for the first time hearing this news story shortly after I became Catholic, being very deeply affected and thinking, these are my people. This is my family, even though I've never met them, even though they're all the way in Nigeria. This is my family. And I felt uh, the need to pray for them in, in that instant. And so on, on the one hand, I, I love that you just put out this broad call on social media to who knows who, because most of these people you've never met, um, saying, Hey, I want to pray for you. But in another sense, I, I totally get that because it is this idea of your concerns are important to me because we together are members of the body of Christ and we together are, um, are in this communion of saints. 
Yeah, you know, uh, the folks that well, on, on Facebook, the Facebook uh, friends, my little community on Facebook, range from friends in from elementary and middle school up through college to my adult, different jobs I've had, as well as friends of friends, like you said, folks I've never met. And a good number, of course, of my friends from growing up aren't even Catholic. Right. But, but, you know, I grew up in such a strong Christian community that um, everyone I knew growing up, Sunday mornings, you're at church. You know, it, it wasn't unusual for whether you were Methodist or Presbyterian or Lutheran or Catholic or, you know, whatever denomination that, that you worship on Sunday. So a lot of my friends have still brought this into, into their adulthood, praise be to God, and, and they recognize the the power of prayer. So the, those were the first ones that kind of uh, um, climbed on board, so to speak, uh, to my to my holy hours. And it's just wonder uh, what a wonderful way to reconnect with with some of these folks that I haven't seen in person for thirty years or so um, to share this this common prayer. What I do when when I go into my holy hour, I um, bring the liturgy of the hours, which is the second. Um, would you call it the second best uh, prayer of the church? The first being uh, the, the holy sacrifice of the mass, but then universal church gathers together in the liturgy of the hours. And it's just something really powerful to me to be in front of our Lord face to face, praying the, the prayer of the universal church. And then when I get to the intercessions uh, part of evening prayer to unite all of these prayer requests with everyone else around the entire world. Now, so it's just not my little community, you know, or the 20 of us praying for each other. It's universal church uniting prayers to heaven through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to our Father. And that just, you just think of the scale, <laughs> you know, right. how, how it's multiplied. So I'm bringing my prayers. Somebody in Nigeria is bringing their prayers. Uh, you know, somebody in Switzerland, wherever, we're all bringing our prayers together and laying it at, at the foot of our, of our Lord or at the feet of our Lord. And that just blows me away. Mm-hmm. So you, you've got this practice where you go and you do the liturgy of the hours. Um, that in itself takes some uh there's a learning curve there because if you're you if if you, you there's a there's the phone app that makes things easy you've got the iBrevery or you've got divineoffice.org but if you've got the yeah. book you've got to learn to flip back and forth and figure out all the right places and there there is a liturgy of the hours for dummies but you just almost need that as a beginner uh trying to figure out how to engage with this prayer and yet it is such a rich prayer because it takes you through the rhythms and, it, and it's like, I don't have to come up with what to say. I just have to unite my, uh, my heart and my intention to the prayer that the whole church is already praying. That's right. And it, over, I, I'm a third order Franciscan and over um, that, uh, the span of that vocation, it's, I'll admit it, it's been kind of a love-hate relationship with liturgy. <laughs> the hours. You know, it, it, it's, sometimes it is drudgery. Sometimes it is confusion. Um, you know, I don't want to, and it, it comes back on me where I don't have the time to put into, you know, 
prayer or I don't have the time to put into morning prayer. Um, but even if I can't do the, the full-blown official liturgy of the hours through the breviary, Magnificat's a wonderful alternative. Yeah. So even if I can't do the liturgy of the hours, I can make time for the abbreviated version through Magnificat. It, it's been very important to me just to have that prayer discipline. So I know every morning I will pray, pray a version of morning prayer. Every yeah. evening I will pray a version of evening prayer. And, and that is that intercessory portion that um, just being united with others uh, in this prayer is, is so special. Well, just the sense that um, I, I am face to face with, with Christ and I am alone with Christ. And yet I'm never alone in my prayer. I don't have to feel as though the whole world is against me and I've got my tiny little prayer. I'm praying with the whole church and to feel that um, maybe even that confidence that the things that we're praying for uh, that others are joined with us like like Aaron holding up the, the arms of Moses as he interceded for the people. We're talking today with Dave Orsborn uh, out of St. Gabriel Radio in Columbus, Ohio about adoration and about our intercession for one another. Join me over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. Don't go anywhere. There's much more to come right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls with TL. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, TL. We're talking today with Dave Orsborn. He is the uh, the assistant director and production manager at St. Gabriel Radio in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, I came across him because on Facebook, he invites others uh, into his holy hour. He says, hey, I'm going to go to adoration. Uh, what do you need prayer for? Let me let me take that with me uh, into the presence of, of Christ. And here's the thing. We need to pray for one another. We we have an obligation to one another uh, in in charity and in uh, just in favor of the fact that we are family to bear one another's burdens. We're commanded by Christ to love one another, and Paul exhorts us to bear one another's burdens. And so, it is, I think, essential that we recognize that we are members of one another. We belong to one another, and. And we ought to be concerned for the needs of someone else. We ought to be able to take their needs in prayer and pray for them just as fervently as if it were a need that we had ourselves. So we're talking today with Dave. Dave, thank you again for joining us. My pleasure. So you you have these these holy hours. You invite us into them. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, because uh, a, a lot of your friends on Facebook are people who are not Catholic. Uh, right. Have you has this started any conversations, or has anyone said, "Hey, can I if I if I if they live in the area, can I come with you?" Uh, have you had any experience of of adoration opening a door uh, to potentially a conversation of the faith that you didn't expect? Yeah, actually, through direct messages, people are actually intrigued. First of all, that I have a regular prayer time. 
Mm-hmm. And, and, and they all seem to know it's Thursday evening. So, yeah, so they kind of, the regulars on, on their prayer list know, well, it's Thursday night. Dave's going to be praying. So um, even, you know, if I miss one, if I'm on vacation or out of town and I don't keep that holy hour, people are kind of like, you know, you didn't have your holy hour this week, you know, <laughs> everything okay. Um, but through direct messages, I, I have had a, a few people contact me and, but, you know, what, what are you actually doing? You know, say that you're, you're, you're praying for an hour this evening with our Lord. Um, what, what does that mean? And I'm able to say that it's a regularly scheduled holy hour. Uh, it's what uh, Catholics call Eucharistic adoration, where we're actually in front of our Lord face to face. And I'm actually bringing your prayers directly, you know, in a, in a very real way, directly to Christ. And, uh, and they're like, wow, this is pretty cool. But I've also met people or reconnected with people that because I wasn't raised Catholic and through my college years and everything, um, I was, you know, pretty pagan, um, that I didn't even realize that they were Catholic. So now we have that shared. So folks, I didn't know we're raised Catholic. Now we've rediscovered, uh, you know, a relationship uh, with Christ that we didn't know we had before. Yeah. Now I'm, I'm intrigued because as a, and I'm sure that these others are intrigued because this idea of an hour of prayer, uh, is, um, maybe a little daunting. I remember as a, as a, kid growing up in the Methodist church, it was like, well, you need to pray 30 minutes a day. And we're like, well, maybe, maybe I can eke out 10. Right. Uh, right. And then I get into prayer and then all of a sudden, every other thing that could possibly uh, flood into my mind in terms of distraction uh, has a way of doing that. And so I never really, before I became Catholic, found a way to do any kind of, of prayer that would be, um, substantial, any, any length of time, any consistency, because it was so easy to get distracted. And like, like Peter, uh, whether it's falling asleep or just, uh, getting sidetracked, I couldn't watch one hour with Christ. Uh, so how is this, this practice of Eucharistic adoration, um, maybe changed or improved your prayer life from what it was before? Oh, that's a great question. Some weeks are better than others, <laughs> yeah, to be sure. Um, since I'm doing uh, my holy hour in the evening, I'm bringing into that hour a lot of noise, you know, and a lot of distractions from the day. That's why I tend to start with the liturgy of the hours. Um, I start the hour with evening prayer, and that just helps me slow down and uh, clear my head quite a bit. And I then do the intercessions. And then I really make an effort, um, TL, to not bring in um, any spiritual reading or even scripture. I I just want to quiet myself and and be with the Lord. And I accept distractions then as they come, you know, as, as, as maybe a prompting of the Holy Spirit. Lord, is this something that you want to talk about now? Or, you know, I'm getting this, I can't shake um, this, this, uh, confusion, or I can't, um, you know, I just have anxiety about this. Can we just spend some time talking about it? And, um, and then I force myself to be quiet. <laughs> I'm like, Lord, here's my list. Uh, this is everything that, uh, that you're not helping me with. Uh, <laughs> can, can we, can, uh, you know, we change the pace on some of this and, but, um, it, it's just, 
I, I don't worry so much about the distractions anymore. At first I was like, I just have to empty my mind. I can't, all I can fill it with is, is Jesus. And he's there with me. I know he's there. Mm-hmm. I firmly believe that he's fully present. Whatever is coming into my mind or is, is, is troubling my heart is something that the Lord wants to be there with me on. So we talk about it. I love this idea that the distractions themselves are not an attempt to pull you away, but, in a, but really God revealing the thing that you need to pray for specifically. You know, right. gonna, oh, I'm going to come in, I'm going to pray and I'm going to talk with Jesus and it's going to be great. And oh man, I've got all this other stuff that's weighing on me. Uh, now I need to concentrate on those things. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. I brought those to the surface so that you could bring them to me so I could concentrate on them. Not the other way around. Right. No, I mean, if it, if it, if the Buckeyes keep on coming up over and over again, that may be a distraction that isn't, uh, you know, of God. But, oh, God, but he, oh God, cure, cure my, my idolatry of. <laughs> right. That's right. You know, so, but, but then, it, you know, maybe I'm not relaxing or recreating, you know, the way that I should be. A- am I slowing down? Am I disconnecting from whatever it is that, uh, is just, uh, you know, keeping me revved up through the day, you know, we have to slow down. We have to take time to relax. And maybe that's what that prompting is about. You know, Dave, maybe you should take an hour or two on Saturday, spend it with the family, just be around them, you know, go for a walk or, or whatever, but just to have that conversation and to, to stay with it a little bit and, and just see where the Lord takes it. Yeah. Because I completely trust that the Lord is driving it. It's He'll take these thoughts or these desires or these anxieties or fears, and and they're His. I, I trust that He'll do with them what He wants to do with them, and all I have to do is follow. So mm-hmm. we're talking to Dave Warsborn today, and you know, as I sit in adoration, I know that Christ is present, and and I feel it differently. You know, if I sit here at home and I pray, um, I. I Get a, I can get a sense that, oh, God is with me. But when I sit down in front of the Blessed Sacrament, the only way I can describe it is a kind of spiritual gravity. And I feel my soul being pulled out toward the Eucharist. And I can feel that that connection to the Eucharist and to Christ in a way that I just don't feel anywhere else. And not that the world is about feelings, but they are one way that we can experience and, and gauge the world around us. St. Jose, uh, Maria Escriva has a, I don't know if you're familiar with this prayer that he uses at the, at the beginning of, um, meditations, but it, it, it begins. And I do this at the beginning of my holy hour each week. Uh, my Lord, my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Mm-hmm. And that, especially in the Adoration Chapel, just brings in our Blessed Mother. It brings in St. Joseph. I, I have a huge devotion to the, to the Holy Family. Mm-hmm. And so we're bringing in all, all my friends, my Guardian Angel. Right. Uh, you know, all, all the angels are, are there surrounding the Lord. And, and the Blessed Mother in heaven, and we're all just praising together. 
Now, Dave, one other thing that I wanted to talk about is yeah. you, you do this on social media, you invite people into that, uh, and you bring them uh, a connection uh, that, that social media isn't generally known for. You know, we've talked about this before on the show, the more connected we are technologically, it seems the less connected we are uh, in, in an incarnational way with one another. And so I'm interested in the fact that you're using technology and the network that you have there uh, to begin to foster relationships that are that are deeper and that move beyond the normal discussions you would see on social media. What fruit have you seen from from those invitations? Uh, boy, I, I just personally, um, my use of social media has changed. I, I've distanced myself from the idle chatter and the kind of the arguments and just the, you know, the stupidity that is so pervasive uh, on, on Facebook and these, you know, Twitter storms and everything. So I, I'm really limiting um, my usage um, to to this intercessory prayer. This is really what I want to do, especially on Facebook. Now I'll post pictures of family and our cats or whatever. And, um, and, but I intentionally want to keep it upbeat and, um, and, 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 and good. I, I don't, I don't want to have just distracting, wasteful conversations. And, these intercessory prayers, you know, we've connected, um, you know, one, one person in particular every week, you know, just her post is I'm praying for everything that's left here. Mm-hmm. So I know that she's, she's seeing these prayers also and that we're all praying together. And there's just something special that um, we're united for all, you know, whether it's, you know, a, uh, a health issue that somebody's having or a Thanksgiving and gratitude for a new job or for, you know, praying for a family member that's away from the church. It, just the fact that we're all united in God's love really makes it completely worthwhile. And I'm sure that, um, you know, uh, the founders of Facebook didn't have this in mind when they set it up. (laughs) All things for the good, right? Right. Well, and and it almost seems like you're saying, hey, whatsoever things are good and pure and of good report, think on these things. Right. Uh, Which someone else has said before, I'm pretty sure, (laughs) right? Uh, You know, there is this call to detachment from all the distractions of the world that taking them to Christ and laying them at his feet can put in perspective and, and give us really just a much better outlook on, on the world and on the relationships that are around us. We're talking with Dave Orsborn today, who is the assistant director and production manager out at St. Gabriel Catholic radio in Columbus. Come join the ongoing conversation over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls on Twitter. The handles at outside the walls and specifically Tell me what your time in adoration looks like. What does your intercession practice look like? Or tell me what it is that you need prayer for, and we'll lift those up together as a community. We'll be right back right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls with TL.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, TL. Today, we talked with Dave Orsborn. Uh, he's got a lot going on. He's a secular Franciscan. Uh, he's the, the assistant director and production manager at St. Gabriel Radio in Columbus, Ohio. And we've talked about something that I noticed as I've followed him on Facebook, and this practice of interceding for others and saying, hey, I'm going to go to adoration tonight like later, much later in the day, what is it that you need prayer for? And then he takes those things to prayer, and then everyone who has left something is also seeing other people's prayer requests and praying for them as well. It's a practice that I I hope picks up in popularity because there's such a disconnect in true uh, intimacy online. And, and there's I think for some reason there's good reason for that because uh, there is, once you put something out in line in a public place, Anything can happen to it. Uh, the Proverbs tell us, don't don't cast your pearls before swine. And, and those pearls don't have to be something that's, you know, incredibly valuable in terms of uh, monetary. Uh, to me, as I look at that, that idea of don't cast your pearls before swine, it's don't put those precious things in front of those who cannot or will not appreciate them. Uh, and so that could be something that you're struggling with, whatever the case is. Uh, but we do, as a person, need to be able to share ourselves and to share our burdens with someone else. And so it's about finding that right balance and finding that right place to do that. Uh, and I, I love that that Dave is making a safe place for, for his circle of influence, for those people who are within his orbit, to be able to share their needs and to know that someone is praying for them and caring for them and lifting them up before God. If you missed any part of that conversation or you want to share it with your friends, all of our episodes are archived over at OutsideTheWalls.com. As always, there's more to my conversation with Dave Orsborn than we had the time to air today, and those extra segments are made available to all of those who support the show through Patreon. So while you're there on the website, either listening to this episode again or finding a way to share it with your friends there, uh, go up to the top right-hand corner on OutsideTheWalls.com. There's a link that says support the show hyphen Patreon. Click that link just to see the kinds of things that are there. Uh, there are a number of those extra segments and, um, and other resources, other uh, little snippets here and there uh, that are open, wide open to everybody uh, so that you can kind of get a sense for what it is that we do over there. And consider becoming a supporter and getting all of these extra segments each and every week and being a part of that support community. Now let's turn our attention to our reading from Scripture and from church history. The reading today comes from the second reading for tomorrow, for tomorrow's Mass, and it comes from the book of Hebrews. Brothers and sisters, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses— Let us rid ourselves of every burden and sin that clings to us and persevere in running the race that lies before us while keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the leader and perfecter of faith. For the sake of the joy that laid before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider how he endured such opposition from sinners in order that you may not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. That reading comes from the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. 
And there were a couple of things in here that I really wanted to look at today. The first is this idea of keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. Sometimes it can be hard in the craziness and the busyness of life to really find out how to do this. How do we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus when he is not physically in front of us? And the answer, uh, I think, or an answer that can be very helpful is the practice of Eucharistic adoration. Going and realizing that Christ is present to us, that he is present in a very specific way. And we talked about this uh, a few months ago with Dr. Lawrence Feingold. You can find it in the archives, and it's just a a, a wonderful conversation that, that personally enriched me, and I know it will you as well, this idea of how is, how and why is Christ present in the Eucharist? But he is right here. And not only do we fix our eyes on Jesus by by gazing at the host and the monstrance, but in that practice of, of a contemplation and prayer, we are fixing our, our spiritual eyes on Jesus as he comes to us and communes with us and gives us um, discernment and, and direction and helps us to process the world around us. In this way, we fix our eyes on Jesus. And so I, I, again, encourage this practice of Eucharistic adoration. And then before that, he says, at the beginning of the chapter, which of course is not the beginning of the thought, brothers and sisters, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, that, that, that word since, or in some translations, it says therefore. And whenever you see a therefore, you have to go back and see what it's there for. Uh, he, he says, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, he's already relayed to us this long list of those who have gone before us and the faith that they showed. And he's saying in light of that faith, and because they are surrounding us now as, he didn't use this term, but as a communion of saints, now that should give us the impetus to rid ourselves of every burden and every sin that clings to us, to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the leader and the perfecter of our faith, and to follow the example of him that for the sake of the joy that lay before him endured the cross, despising its shame, right? This should be an encouragement to us because he says, look, before you were here, there were those who walked this path. And not only that, but Christ himself is considering you. And Christ himself is continuing as he sits at the right hand of the throne of God. So here, this is, this is the, um, the essence of it all. You are not alone. You're not walking this path alone. Fix your eyes on Jesus. These people before you walked this path, Jesus himself walked this path, and now all of them together are praying for you and rooting for you, and you are not alone. And then our goal is to be con- to be included in that number, that now the, for the people who come after us, and whether that be after our death or whether that be after we've gone through uh, this experience that we're struggling with now, that then we can take our experience of that and the overcoming of that experience and direct that in prayer for others who are following behind we are members of one another. Our reading from church history today comes from St. Cyril of Alexandria. He writes, I am dying for all men, says the Lord. I am dying to give them life through myself and to redeem the whole human race through my humanity. In my death, 
death itself will die, and man's fallen nature will rise again with me. I wanted to be like my brothers in every respect, so I became a man like you, a descendant of Abraham. Understanding this well, St. Paul says, As the children of a family share the same flesh and blood, he too shared our human nature, so that by his death he could destroy the power of the devil, the prince of death. Death itself and the prince of death could be destroyed only by Christ, who is above all, giving himself up as a ransom for all. And so, speaking as a spotless victim, offering himself for us to God the Father, Christ says in one of the Psalms, You desired no sacrifices or offerings, but you have prepared a body for me. You took no pleasure in holocausts or sin offerings. Then he said, Behold, I am coming. He was crucified for all, desiring his one death for all, to give all of us life in him. It was impossible for him to be conquered by death, nor could he who by his very nature is life be subject to corruption. Yet we know that Christ offered his flesh for the life of the world from his own prayer. Holy Father, protect them. And from his words, for their sake, I consecrate myself. By saying that he consecrates himself, he means that he offers himself to God as a spotless and sweet-smelling sacrifice. According to the law, anything offered upon the altar was consecrated and considered holy. So Christ gave his own body for the life of all and makes it the channel through which life flows once more into us. How he does this, I will explain to the best of my ability. When the life-giving Word of God dwelt in human flesh, he changed it into that good thing which is distinctively his, namely, life. And by being wholly united to the flesh in a way beyond our comprehension, he gave it the life-giving power which he has by his very nature. Therefore, The body of Christ gives life to those who receive it. Its presence in mortal men expels death and drives away corruption because it contains within itself, in his entirety, the Word who totally abolishes corruption. That reading comes from St. Cyril of Alexandria. Whenever I read the Fathers and Doctors of the Church on the Eucharist, I realize how much I don't yet understand. I recall the story from the end of the life of St. Thomas Aquinas, where he was overcome with this mystical vision, having spent time in adoration and realized that everything he had written, as brilliant as it was, was nothing in comparison to the Eucharist. And I pray that God would reveal his beauty and his love for us in that same way. That's all the time we have for this week. Today's show was brought to you by Carrie Carlson and all those who support the show through Patreon. Go to OutsideTheWalls.com, click the Patreon link, and join their numbers. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.